I'll be reading from Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, now and always. Hi, friends. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm on the pastoral team here. And on behalf of my wife, Julie, and myself, I wanna, we want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, thank you for being a part of our community. Thanksgiving, of course, is an attitude expressed through gratitude. Uh, we thank God for today. We have so much to be thankful for. And may I also encourage you uh, to express appreciation to those around you. What an encouragement we can be when we say thank you. Uh, we have so much to be thankful for. Today in our series called All of Me, uh, we're considering Psalm chapter 131. Uh, it was read early in our service. Many suggest that Psalm 131 uh, was written by a younger David. Days perhaps when he was a shepherd or servant to Saul. And those years made up many years within David's life. What is to be noticed about Psalm 131 is that David obviously, based upon his sharing in Psalm 31, had determined to establish a good and godly foundation for his life. And again, we hear this through his admission and his confessions of Psalm chapter 131, a very important Psalm. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said of Psalm 131 that this is one of the shortest Psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. It speaks of a young child, but it contains the experiences of a man in Christ. So we see three things uh, that David prioritized, and because of that, lived a pretty productive life as we read in the Old Testament. There's three human quality characteristics that we may have, can kind of easily draw from David's writing. The first one relates to pride and haughtiness. David said of himself, uh, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. A person with pride is someone who hasn't found rest in God and will have a harder time worshiping God. For a proud person is someone that thinks about themselves much more than they think about perhaps God or even thinks more of or less of somebody else. Certainly someone who is proud carries a superiority that would potentially always elevate themselves and devalue another. The challenge about pride is it's often most easily seen in others, but because of our sinful nature, uh, pride is certainly evident in everyone's life from time to time. The second quality characteristic that David mentions here 
is a need to understand our limitations. David said specifically, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Again, many think that this was written during more of David's adolescent years. And how often pride and a know-it-all type of attitude is carried along with adolescence. Uh, Perhaps we can all remember a day I can when I thought I knew more and was perhaps even better or more superior than all others. I hate to admit it. Pride and limitations. These are often the ongoing challenges of the human race and how interesting that David in his adolescent years was able to put a name on on these two difficult matters, if not dealt with continually. The third quality characteristic that David mentions is in verse 2, where he says, But I have calmed myself and I have quieted my ambitions. Quite exemplary, again, for perhaps an adolescent. Uh, Most adolescent characteristics are being wound up and uh, not cautious. Here, David says, no, I, I have learned how to calm myself and quiet my ambition or my expectation. A great question for us today to consider ourselves. How do you quiet and calm your ambitions appropriately? It's a good question when it seems that so much in our present world is completely out of control. How do we quiet ourselves and calm ourselves? Another translation of this same verse says that David quieted, he says, I quieted my soul. Of course, our soul, our mind, our heart, our emotions, and our will. Um, Again, duly noted during this global pandemic that we're experiencing together, perhaps you've noticed, and I've certainly noticed some of this myself, where I find myself, as I think of the course of my life, where there's days, even recently, where there's unusual fatigue, agitation rather than peace, frustration, discouragement, Um, feeling like it's a little easier to cry these days than smile, heart races, blood pressure's high, quicker to get angry, not sleeping well, finding yourself perhaps up in the middle of the night and not able to get back to sleep and even more susceptible to temptation because it feels like things are out of our control. Well, David raises his hand somewhat in this psalm and says, yeah, things are out of my control. And perhaps that would be a great admission for us today as well. There are things that are out of our control in the world today. But perhaps as a Christian, that may be a pretty wise and mature statement that could lead to Thanksgiving this weekend. 
David speaks of how he had learned to calm himself and quiet his ambition. Again, in the context, perhaps this would be a time in his life where he was a shepherd servant to Saul. Saul was acting so irresponsibly as leader of the nation that David found himself at times falsely accused. His life was threatened. He was um, this, he suffered from injustice and he was hunted. And it seemed at this particular time, perhaps, that there was no way of anything changing in the near future. And wow, I wouldn't draw complete parallels, but I, you know, questions that I ask and I've heard people ask of me, I wonder when this global pandemic is going to be over. It seems like there's no immediate way out. Uh, David, as an adolescent perhaps, offers us some real curious investigation. How did David learn to calm and quiet himself and his ambitions? Well, let's move in a certain direction in this teaching today towards the subject of Sabbath. David, because of his Jewish tradition, would have understood the Jewish commandments. And certainly central to the Jewish commandments were the Ten Commandments. And central to the Ten Commandments was the the Sabbath commandment, the Fourth Commandment. What's noted from Walter Brueggemann in his book, Sabbath as Resistance, states that all the commandments hinge on this most important commandment, Sabbath. Bergman, um, Brueggemann says, the fourth commandment uh, recorded, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, the Sabbath, looks upwards to the first three commandments and then moves from commandment 5 to 12 outward to take a look at our neighborly relationships. So why why would this be important to Israel? And why would this perhaps be um, a clue into David's ability to live a life most often noted perhaps by an ability to calm himself and quiet his ambition. To, to appreciate the significance of the Sabbath commandment, we have to return to the beginning of where it first came into announcement and pronouncement. So many of the Psalms are written in the context of the Old Testament and, and point us back to appreciate through the narrative of the people of Israel. And certainly the Sabbath is no different. We are drawn, when we consider the Sabbath, immediately into the story of the Israelites' exodus out of slavery from the Egyptians. So let's take a look, Exodus chapter 5. In Exodus chapter 5, we're given a, a passionate narrative account of the Egyptian labor system in which Pharaoh, the head of Egypt, endlessly demands more and more production from the Israeli slaves. At that time, the Israeli slaves were to produce more bricks that were to be used for the building of more supply cities so Pharaoh could store his endless supply of material wealth, which would include grain for food. Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. This economic system was designed to produce more and more and more surplus for the rich. 
What is the consequence? Well, in Pharaoh's system, there could be no Sabbath rest. Seven days a week, produce, produce, produce. No rest for Pharaoh in his supervisory capacity, and he undoubtedly monitored daily production schedules with only the one goal, more, more, and more. Perhaps we could note some similarities today. Um, many people's lives will be characterized by, I live to work rather than I work to live. In Pharaoh's system, the Israelites live to work. And it was never ending and it was never enough and it took a great toll. So it is into this hopeless weariness that God's voice erupts. First at the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, speaking to Moses. And then uh, the identification of the fatigue of the Israeli slaves. And then this big announcement of deliverance out of this slave company and out of this exploitative system. Noted in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. God delivers the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land, into a promised relationship of trust and care by Yahweh. So once out of exile, one of the first things that God does is to set down his first three commandments that are declarations that God, Yahweh, is unlike all the Egyptian gods who these Israelis were former slaves to. So we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, these first three commandments declaring God to be a God that's different than all the other gods. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me, and you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or in the earth and the sea. Then he commands, verse 12 of Deuteronomy 5, he commands a day of Sabbath rest to acknowledge the lordship and leadership of this God, Yahweh. Followed by, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6 to 12, commands on how to love a neighbor. So again, as I said earlier, Sabbath, many think that Sabbath rest is the most pivotal that keeps us aligned in relationship with God and it keeps us appropriately expressing our neighborly love to our neighbor. So to, again, to get everybody on the same page and living this way, God sets down in place one day of the week to continually break the repetitive cycle of living to work. Divine rest on the Sabbath day of creation has made clear and then, then continued to be expressed in Deuteronomy that Yahweh is not a workaholic, that Yahweh is not anxious about the full functioning of creation, and that the well-being of creation, including us, does not depend on endless work. This divine rest invitation serves to dismantle the endless restlessness sanctioned by other gods. And those other gods are still in this world today. 
So as a nation forms in Exodus, Deuteronomy, they begin to serve Yahweh, this Sabbath-keeping God, which ensures that restfulness and not restlessness is at the center of a life that God offers. Restfulness rather than restlessness is at the center of the life that God offers still today. Yahweh is a Sabbath-giving God and a Sabbath-commanding God. So if you're employed, your employer can offer you a day off. It is only God that can offer you a Sabbath rest. So the question we have today, Thanksgiving considerations. Is your life best described as restless or restful? Psalm chapter 131. So going forward, book of Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Chronicles, is the story of Israel always needing to again and again choose between life and, and death. Um, between Yahweh and the gods of their ancestors, of the gods, the modern gods of the day between Yahweh and Baal, and as we in 2021, we do have the same decisions to make day in and day out, and certainly to be expressed through our weekly rhythms. Do we choose life or death, the invitation of rest or restlessness? So Sabbath becomes a decisive, concrete, physical way of opting for and aligning with the God of rest. God Yahweh, God of rest, offers relief from that anxiety and that producing system that's all around us. So Sabbath first shows up as a command uh, for the sake of creating a course correction and implementing change. And now, as new covenant people, we honor the Sabbath because it represents an act of submission to the restful God and to an acknowledgement of the commandments 1, 2, and 3 that are found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So rest, rest, a gift from God to you. I've noticed within, I've noticed around, there's a, there's a fatigue in our society today. Jesus stands with us today, and he offers us rest. Not restlessness, but rest. And so the invitation in Psalm chapter 131 is, Israel, Dave Psalms, you, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. For when we cultivate lives, that find rest in God, we will be in a best position to be a worshiper and not a worrier and to be someone who shows forth a life of neighborly, good neighborliness, being a good neighbor. Our lives will be an invitation uh, for others to experience the same type of rest that we're experiencing ourselves. And oh, if there's ever been a day and a need within our communities that people would see people of peace, it's today. Our world needs people of peace. 
Your neighborhood, your workplace needs people of peace, not people of disarray and disruption. Eugene Peterson said, Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space and we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. People of peace focus on what God is doing as we take a proper place in this narrative, even when things seem so out of control and so uncertain. Marva Don said, Sabbath ceasing means to cease not only from work itself, but also from the need to accomplish and be productive from the worry and tension that accompany our modern criteria of efficiency, from our efforts to be in control of our lives as if we were God, from our possessiveness and our enculturation, and finally from the humdrum and meaninglessness that results when life is pursued without the Lord at the center of it all. So today, closing, Psalm 131 invites you to rest and to be a people of peace. So let me read one more time Psalm chapter 131. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, living waters, put your hope on the Lord now and always.